This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Podcast, the podcast where we delve into those frustrating moments with some well-known people. I'm Jim Daly, and of course, I've got the lovely Giles Paley Phillips with me. How you doing, mate? I'm all right. How are you, Jim? I'm good. Yeah, good. very a good, good week. Uh, very good week, actually. Yeah, very busy. Good things happening. Which is what have nice. you been up to specifically? Um, a lot of writing. Have you? A lot of writing. A lot of pitching. Oh. Try, a lot of trying to form some ideas this week. Trying okay. to start new things. That's actually. never easy. It's never easy. No, no. but you have to do it. Yeah, of course. There's well, no as we know, we've talked about that on the podcast before, our compulsion for yeah. doing these things. Exactly. There's no way around it. Yeah, really. no, so no, you just have to try and get it out there. Crack on and see yeah. what happens. How's your week been? It's been okay, yeah. Like, pretty much like you, I've been trying to feather my way around. Feathers, that's not the right word, is it? Well, it could be now, hey. Uh, I have to thing. fathom my way around creative stuff. Yeah, yeah, I've been writing a few bits, so getting back into writing a lot more. I mean, obviously, when we started this podcast... I was having a bit of downtime from the writing, so I was struggling a bit, and uh, I've definitely started getting oh, back into things. Does a the pod bit. help to them with that? I think so. Yeah, I think some of the advice we've been given and the, the kind words of, and you know, it's been great having all the feedback we've got. I mean, uh, hopefully, we'll start to read out some of the nice comments. We've yeah, been I think we should do. Okay. Maybe at the end of this pod, yeah. we'll do that. Um, so this week's guest is the multi-talented. Dot Brown, a.k.a. Yeah. Ben Bailey-Smith. Or is it Ben Bailey-Smith, a.k.a. Dot Brown? I don't know. Maybe both. Which one does he prefer, do you think? I don't know. Anyway. Maybe it depends where he is. Yeah. I think he's... Now, he's written a couple of children's books, and yeah. they are definitely Ben Bailey-Smith books. Yeah. But obviously, I think his stand-up and his rap stuff he well, does Dot, Dot Brown. Brown. Yeah. yeah. So, so maybe that's the stage yeah. name. Yeah. 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 He's such a nice guy. A, a wonderful guy. He yeah. is just the best. And I mean, uh, you know him a little bit anyway. Yeah, I've sort of known him through yeah. Palace and comedy yeah. and stuff for a few years. Yeah. Um, but he's just... He's just one of those guys that's just, you want to be around him. He's yeah. a nice energy. Yeah. And he's so lovely. Yeah, he's And he's so interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Very honest as well. Yeah. He, gets, he gets really deep. Really quickly on. in yeah. this pod. Yeah. yeah. But he get, he's so honest in the pod, and that, that's what makes such a great guest. Yeah. We're so lucky. Some of our guests come oh, on, and they just been, so talk about really openly about stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I think we should just dive straight in, shouldn't we? Yeah, I think that's Oh, great although idea. I'd need to apologise, actually, because so the audio on this. You the audio a boo-boo, didn't you? A slight, yeah. slight error. So we used our backup mic. And um, I forgot to put it on uh, the right setting that would pick up you and me. So yeah. Ben sounds great. You and me probably sound a bit distant. We're a bit in the on, distance. But yeah. that, that might be quite a good thing. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> how much we contributed to the conversation anyway. People care more about the guest <laughs> yeah, than of us, course, don't of they? And, he's, and Ben sounds great. So that's all that matters. Well, do you know what? It's, it was a blank moment technically. It was a blank moment. Exactly. You know, we've always said, you know, we like to keep the blank moments in, even yeah. if they're technical ones. So, <laughs> exactly. yeah, so, so bear with us. We're and, true uh, to our word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Anyway. Or maybe just the amateur spirit that we've, <laughs> exactly, that we've cultivated. <laughs> anyway, sorry about that, but hopefully you'll enjoy Ben Bailey-Smith on The Blank Podcast. Hello. Ben <laughs> All right. How are you? I'm yeah. I'm really well. I'm really well. Yeah. I. Uh, I'm. I, what do they say? I'm in a good place. You're in a good place. Yeah. Good place. That's good. Ride, yeah. Riding the crest of a wave. <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> have you ridden crests of waves before? Uh, yeah. People tell me yeah. I have. I don't know. I, the the thing about being, you know, in uh, the the public eye as an entertainer, is you know. Y- you never, you you never actually have any idea of where you're at. Mm. Yeah, and then you read yeah. stuff about yourself, and it's like, oh, like he's the next guy, or he's hot, or like what happened to this guy, or oh, remember when he was good, or and you're just <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I don't know if any of these are true. Yeah. I, don't, I don't. You just sort of crack on doing your yeah. work. Don't Do you, you read know? stuff about yourself? When it's in the papers, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not on social media, so I don't like, I don't see stuff yeah. that pops yeah. up about myself, but. Um, 
you know, like occasionally there'll, there'll be stuff about me and I read and I'm like, wow, this, who's this guy? Like, he sounds quite interesting. There yeah. was an article in The Sun actually um, recently that was outing me as um, uh, like a sexist um, yeah, like uh, uh, in the in the in the in the Me Too era. What's the context for that? It was fascinating, man. It was really interesting to read because, like, I've got a long-standing beef with them, which is obviously why they've attacked yeah. me. Because no one who reads the Sun knows who the fuck I am. So they would have looked, <laughs> looked at the article and like, okay, who's this? Who cares? Yeah. But um, yeah, there's a show on at the moment. I don't know when this goes out, but at the time of recording, there's a show on ITV called um, Cleaning Up with oh, Sher- yeah, Sheridan Smith yeah, yeah. it's like a six part drama oh, yeah. that I, I'm in with her and um, did like a press junket where you got like all different journalists there and you know I won't speak to the sun but you know I, the sun were clearly there um, and I was talking about uh, diversity in, in films and I was saying um, let's talk about a specific event where I was uh, I was on the jury of a, a, a very well known um, uh, 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 film establishment and uh, I was judging feature films yeah. and then the, the president of this establishment came in to speak to all the judges and said oh you know we've got 10 great films here so glad that you're here to re- to to review them and give your judgment but we're even more happy that seven of the 10 directors are women this year and I I thought I don't care like I, d- I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. care that they're women I like I want to know what the best film is and if the best film is by a woman then at that point we go fuck isn't it amazing as well that it's by a woman the best film that's come out this year you know by by way of our judges at that point we celebrate feel exactly the same way about a black filmmaker you know I don't and and about myself I don't want to be oh isn't it nice we've got a black guy doing this no no let's see what the work of the black guy's like and then let's celebrate that a black guy did it you know so, so I was saying, I've got a bit of diversity fatigue around that, you know. Yeah. And of course, my naivety, you can take so many different bits out of what yeah, I said yeah, yeah, yeah. and make an article. So they, they did this article so, uh, and the headline was that I had beef with Sheridan. What? Yeah, yeah, incredible. And, and, yeah, and, and then they, that. they quote. Them, that's, it, that's yeah. incredible. They quoted this bit. Um, you know, I've got. It, said, it just said, "I've got diversity fatigue." Said Smith. I don't give a fuck if a film's made by a woman. <laughs> and I was like, "Wow!" Like technically, I did say <laughs> yeah. that. I did say that. But they've taken all the other context and stripped it away. Yeah. And then they put they put this really self righteous bit. Not sure if Sheridan would agree with that in the Me yeah. Too era. Turn to page three. And that's what I thought. I thought, hold on a minute. Beyond everything else, since when was the sun? Yeah. Yeah. Like the the Me Too advocates. Like (laughs) this is all because we clashed over page three. Yeah. Because, you know, I've got two daughters and when they were younger, they they would see it in the news agents. It was on the low shelf with the kids magazines. And they were like, what's what's this about? Because often they'd have a woman, busty woman on the front cover. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then they say, turn to page three and, you know. You can see the rest. So, and, you know, at, at the time, I was a, a user of pornography. I mean, you can't really stand there and get on your high horse. No. But I thought, actually, these are separate issues. Because if you want to use por- pornography as a grown-up, that's, that's your right. Yeah. But the sun is sort of thrust upon us. Yeah. On everyone. Yeah. On grown men, grown women, and small children. So I was like, no, actually, I'm going to take a stand. And I was, you know, there was a charity at the time called No More Page Free. Yeah. And they asked if I'd that, yeah. say something. And I said, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. You know, uh, and I acknowledged within my protest against it that I was, you know, I could be seen as a hypocrite yeah, for, yeah, for yeah. loving tits. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, Did you think that you'd be opening yourself up then to... I knew I would. I knew I would. And, and uh, I said to my PR, like, I'm not doing anything with... Like with them ever again, yeah. but you know you've just where you got to be extra careful in, in press Ooh. junkets because you, you you never know. You never know. I actually stopped using pornography about eighteen months ago, nearly two years, and it's like it's a revelation. Really? Yeah. How's that going? <laughs> Do you say is that the question? <laughs> how's it going? Yeah, it's. I mean, it is, that's what they say about mm. I'll stop smoking. How's yeah. that going for you? <laughs> but it is like that. It's yeah. it, it's an addiction for men, you know, yeah. and it's it's an it's an issue. Because I think if you use it regularly, then there is this little part of your brain, no matter how intelligent you are, where you see real life women 
in a certain different light. Mm-hmm. Not that you're going to go and sexually harass them, no, no, but, yeah, but I mean, you know, there's there's a part of your brain that looks at them first and foremost in a in a sexual way before you know anything about mm-hmm. them, which you'd never do with a man if you're straight. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think that is problematic. And also, it's so accessible now with like mobile. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, it's really, so, like, so even that, Twitter, you can like. You yeah, know, so that's Twitter. the other thing, like raising kids I've got to think about if I can just click one button on my phone then so can they and you know I just thought I need to have some parity forget media forget uh, celebrity forget all of that stuff I just need to have some some parity in my house you know where there's no hypocrisy you know what I'm saying so it was an easy decision to make but a hard one to implement at first and now I just don't even think about it really yeah how long did that take I'd say like initially like putting it down was easy because I was still in that sort of self-righteous mode and then it's like what's really fascinating is assessing the feelings that you have when you're in the mood to use pornography and and when you don't use it and you haven't got that outlet Mm. you have to sit with the feelings you had which is really interesting so I've found that whenever I've had that feeling it's been because I feel a bit like something didn't work out today at work or you know my day's not going quite the way it did and I thought oh my god it's so much like a drug yeah it's linked to low mood and low self-esteem yeah and I thought well now I'm even more certain that I'm never using it again yeah and um yeah I mean it's 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 like if you've given up anything that's a bit questionable for your mental or physical health if you've ever given up booze for a while or given up smoking or given up sugar or fatty foods yeah. or whatever it is yeah you you feel different and um yeah i'd highly recommend it what thoughts of, yeah okay <laughs> you're right though because yeah. I, I gave up sugar for a little bit which is really difficult because it's literally in everything yeah like mm. Everything. My friend Alex gave up sugar and created a six pack without uh, exercise. Bizarre. Well, I'm thinking about giving that sugar because I do consume a lot of sugar. Like the other day, yesterday, I had a not great, you know, I felt a bit low and I went and bought a load of chocolate. Because mm. it just wanted that. Because we know, all wanted. got certain little things yeah. that hit us. And for me, social media was a big part of that, yeah, that yeah, little yeah, dopamine hit yeah, from yeah. like, oh, these oh, complete yeah, strangers that I'll yeah. never meet like me. Massively. Yeah. Massively. You know, and I thought, that's not real either. No. You know, I. I just thought, let me just get, like, I'm in an unreal world, the show business. Let me have a part of my life that is just completely real, like, where I know what I'm feeling, I know what I'm doing, I know who I, everybody I'm interacting with. Let me just have part of my life that's like that. Because it's so easy to make your entire life just this sort of fantasy now. Like, we're so close to those kind of films that came out in the 80s where everyone's like an avatar and you're living yeah, in this yeah, alternate yeah. reality. Yeah. We're like basically fun. living that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can create a character for yourself online and then fulfill that fantasy yeah. in the way you choose to live your life. Yeah. Say, so, yeah, I'm that guy. Yeah. And uh, it's fine if, you, if you're really self-aware to the point where you know that, okay, but with my actual friends, this is how yeah. I'm going to be. But yeah, if, yeah, yeah. if you don't know where the line is, then I think you can mess yourself up. A lot of people aren't self-aware. No, exactly. And we know that from what they tweet. Yeah. I saw a really funny... The only way I see tweets now is, like, my friends will send me screenshots of funny things. Yeah. And one of my friends sent me one um, saying... Uh, uh, it was about the, the, the next Avengers movie. He said, uh, uh, in the next Avengers movie, they, they, they're going to defeat Thanos by by pulling up his old tweets from 09. <laughs> and it's, just, that, that, it's, it's a good joke about how unself-aware people yeah, are because yeah. people will just go, well, you know, I'm amazing because look at all the likes I've got on Insta, look at this, look at that. And then they suddenly yeah. say something that you would say when you're drunk with your best mate in yeah, a pub and yeah, people yeah. are like, dude, that's not cool, man. Yeah, you can't just yeah, fucking yeah. say that. Yeah. Next thing you know, they've lost their job, they've lost their, yeah. you know, advertising contracts yeah, the sponsors yeah, and yeah. that's we, how easy it happens John Monson on our very first podcast yeah. uh, he's shaming, public shaming. he's fucking great so yeah. you've been publicly shamed yeah, he's yeah, a great yeah. book man yeah. it's exactly that isn't yeah, it? he's a real smart guy yeah yeah and I think yeah we were both kind of like oh you know like this how quickly can turn mm. you know like that woman, and I'm like, not saying like when I quit social media 
I never did it because I, I was like, oh, it's just so wrong. It's the devil. I think it's great if you know mm. how to use it and it works for you and you've got a life outside of yeah, it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But I think if you're feeling fragile or you're feeling vulnerable or you're thin-skinned or, you know, there's something on there that, that ruins your day, like, why do that? We wouldn't yeah. do that with anything else in our life. No. Do you know what I mean? You wouldn't keep dipping your hand in the fire. Yeah, so, so true. I, I think it just, you know, it's different strokes for different folks. I think for some yeah, people it's, it's brilliant. It works really well. And for me, I've already felt the... Um, the disadvantages of not being on there. I've lost jobs because I don't have a following anymore, you know. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they said that to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really? And and um and also, you know, were I to be a job in stand up at the moment, which I'm not, but I could be again, it's gonna be really hard to yeah. get bums on seats without that kind of uh medium. So there's loads of positive things you can do with it and for your career, especially in the media. But at the same time, I tell you what, without it, it's like this huge weight off mm-hmm. my shoulder. Yeah. Because ultimately, I'm an artist. Like, I was spending three or four hours a day, like, let me just crop this picture a little bit more and get that. Yeah. Now I need to rephrase yeah. that. And it's like, yeah. this is not my fucking job. Yeah, exactly. This is not my job. Why <laughs> yeah. am I spending job time yeah. Yeah. on this? Well, actually, you know? could be, could be creating something. Yeah. Well, New. There's so many hours in the day, and there's only so much energy that you have and totally. space to work on stuff that's actually important. I think it's exactly. the headspace that actually is the biggest factor, isn't it? Yeah. Just having that space to not, like, say, not get into conversations with people, not get into rows with people, not, you know, not pursue. Totally. That day for me. And and you know, I'm in show business. My my world, my career could end tomorrow, and that's always a threat hanging over me. So in the short time that I have. Like a footballer, do I just get my head down and play the game? Yeah. Or do I distract myself with all these other things, mm. you know? The movie I made with Gervais will always be there. My my children's books will always be there. You know, who's going to give a fuck about my Twitter feed? Yeah, and my, exactly. you know, yeah. like, or where you went on holiday or the f- food you ate. After I'm gone, there. like, who cares? Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> you know? I've got to get off Twitter. I'm just listening to it. <laughs> I waste so much brain space. Well, I do it. too, and it's hard because, like you say, we use it for work and stuff. You yeah, of course, but you can. But, but, you, but yeah. it, the lines are blurred, yeah, aren't they? They are blurred because it yeah. is another drug. Yeah, totally. So if you wake up and open Twitter, which is what I always used to do, yeah, yeah. of course it could end with, "Oh my God, I've just basically met e met James McAvoy, and now we're making a film together." Yeah. That could happen. Yeah. But most of the time, you just open it and you're like. Oh my god! This guy's just said this about Syria. Yeah. No, I'm getting involved, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. suddenly it's lunchtime. Yeah, yeah. Do you know how similar that is to getting out of bed and getting vodka out of the cupboard yeah, under yeah, the sink? Yeah, yeah. It's very similar. Yeah, and that's what I think we all need to be aware of. I, agree. I get annoyed by people. Well, that's the other thing. I think, I get, why is he saying that? Yeah, I've got. Why am I wh- wh- when I was on there, everybody that I followed and everyone that followed me was the same: left leaning liberals yeah, yeah. but it doesn't yeah. matter because something will creep in there yeah. he's like wait a minute what's he mad about i'm yeah. i'm really i'm really like him yeah. why is he angry yeah, yeah, let yeah. me jump in there yeah exactly you know yeah, you and then the like, yeah, yeah. just recently i was at a party and um this guy was saying oh like i've had such a nightmare week on twitter and i was like why and he's like oh my friend's an actor and he's in this thing and the thing that he's in the other actor got me too and i've just been like defending myself on twitter all week and i was like what, are you in the thing? And he was like, no. And I was like, but did you get me too? And he was like, no, no, no. It's just my friend's in it. And I was like, but your friend's not the guy who got me too. And he was like, no. So like, I was like, so what have you been fighting? And, it, and he was like, well, I tweeted, you know, oh, I love this series. You've got to check out this show. And then, of course, they got the, all the kind of, how can you watch that show? You're, a f- you're part of the problem, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, I, just, I just like the show. My mate's, my mate's in it. And he was explaining it to me, and I just thought, this is what. This is another reason yeah. I've just not got the energy for fucking Twitter, yeah, man. Yeah. Wow, like your week's been ruined. Yeah. Fighting for your friend, you know, like mental. Also, with all the social media, you get you get trolling and, and bad comments and stuff. Of course, and actually, yeah. The best way to respond to that is to a not be on it and b just not respond. Mm. So actually, not even being there to be trolled takes away. A oh, it's incredible. Element of that. It's incredible. If you've ever been in an argument with a woman who's way more emotionally mature than you, never raises their voice, just states the fact. 
you end up screaming like a toddler <laughs> and storming out, which is, is so beautiful because it, the, the, the analogy within Twitter, just not responding, yeah. it, it drives the trolls insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how it should be, yeah. you know. So for me, just completely cancel it out. Just say, like, complete abstinence and create. And every time someone wants to diss me, oh, shit, I've just done another thing. It's, it's almost like you didn't hear me. Yeah. I didn't like the last thing you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, like, don't, <laughs> yeah. don't watch, man. Yeah. Don't yeah. watch. Also, it doesn't matter because you're doing things for you. Yeah. So if you're creating and putting things out there and you're proud of them, mm. it doesn't matter what yeah. Barry from Norwich thinks. Yeah. But the weird thing is that artists are, by their very nature, sensitive. So suddenly yeah. Barry from Norwich means everything. Yeah. Even though twenty thousand other people loved what you did, oh yeah, just yeah. can't seem to scroll past that comment from Barry. Yeah, you know, Barry might I be alright. That, yeah. <laughs> that was shit. What you done? That was shit. I don't like you. It's Norwich, not uh, Devon. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> let's go. We're talking about show business. Let's go back a bit to mm. a young you. Was, mm. show, was show business or creativity of some way? always in the future for you from a creative yeah. family aren't you so yeah that yeah always going to be yeah my my parents weren't creative but we all were for some reason you know even my half brother and half sister my half brother's a musician my half sister is a painter teaches art my sister Zadie is an author my younger brother's a musician and writer um so it was just in us uh from a very early age and you know my earliest memories of what i wanted to do i had two things and one was um, to be an actor, and the other one was to be a milkman. I had that when I was like five <laughs> right. or six. Yeah. Why the milkman? I'm, I'm really good. interested by the milkman thing because yeah. I, I, you know, you rarely see a milkman now, no. but if you do, I think I think I get it. I think I was one of those kids, probably not dissimilar to you two, who wanted to just be his own boss, just have his own little world of work you yeah, know where yeah, you just yeah. do your thing yeah. and you have a duty to people but there's no one going you've got to do this you've got to do it. you just yeah. got your milk float and you just cruise around <laughs> yeah, yeah. and obviously it had a vehicle so for little boys it's like you know yeah. it's an unusual yeah. vehicle cool well. yeah. little boys love an unusual vehicle so i think that was maybe part of it but the uh yeah the actor thing i i always wanted to do so my mum put me in uh uh these um drama workshops at Tricycle Theatre in Kilburn, which is now called The Kiln. And um, I used to absolutely love that. And then in primary school, doing all the school plays and stuff. And I kept it going in secondary school, right up to um, uh, studying performing arts at degree level. But then I dropped out at the end of that first year and totally just left the idea of acting and show business yeah. oh, left all of that was behind completely. Thing that made you drop out, or was it just a? Cool it was a couple of things. I'd say first, I didn't fit in. At, um, oh, easy. I didn't fit in at, um, in the degree. It was all like sort of super posh girls from villages, and me, you know. Um, and I didn't feel a part of it. I think um, I hated. Uh, my lecturer uh, and professor and I was a very um, easily led young man like in terms of peer pressure and that so all my friends um, here in London were you know like into rap and weed and like hanging out and girls and do you mean it just it was just it just felt like such a throwback to when I was at secondary school and after school I'd have drama practice and everyone else was going to get high like in a graveyard or something yeah. like that or get some K <laughs> yeah. drink some K you know um, not ketamine this is for those, for those <laughs> yeah, yeah. who are as old as, as me in the 90s there was a cider called K because we didn't have sweet alcoholic drinks in those days well, white lightning yeah but it's a bit more trampy than yeah. K <laughs> K was like a black bottle with just a red K on it like so it felt like Darcy, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in, in the world in the world of like 14 15 year olds <laughs> K was like yeah um so, yeah, and then I was just going to, you know, be a tree or whatever for an hour and a half. <laughs> and I remember feeling that, like, oh, this is not cool. Yeah. And then I, I think I succumbed in that first year of, like, this is just so lame, like, just drama. Like, what is that? 
and uh, I dropped out. And it's a huge regret, of course, because I didn't get back into, you know, quotes unquote drama until I started doing stand up ten years later. And in that ten year period, I just did youth work and just thought of show business as a, a, a ridiculous dream. Um, but also I was rapping at yeah. night, but just for fun, you know. Yeah. I never really thought of rap as a potential career. So what, yeah, so what led you back, do you think? Was um, there, again, was I think there was times when I'd started, um, I'd been working in lots of different youth clubs, doing loads of different types of youth work, working with young offenders, working with little kids, working with all sorts of, of young people. And then I'd sort of settled in this uh project that I co-managed um, it's like a charity for for children of refugees and asylum seekers and I was there for like seven years mm. 2001 to 2008 so I was like you know I was doing real work and I was really emotionally involved but at some period in that seven years there was this nagging thing of like you're never gonna know you're never gonna know unless you actually have a bash and it ate away at me um I just needed a spark and that came in um 2007 the end of 2007 where a guy that i knew through music had gone into writing comedy and he asked me to come and have a look at some scripts he was working on for the bbc and that just sort of changed everything because suddenly i was around comedy people writers and actors and i was like oh yeah this this is what i always really wanted to be a part of and uh i never imagined i'd ever do stand-up but because the first acting and writing I did happened to be in comedy, mm. <clears throat> I just realised that, OK, I, I do know how to be funny. And it was producers and people at the BBC who encouraged me to um, try stand-up. And then when I first did stand-up, it, obviously I had to talk about the fact that I used to rap. You know, it, was just, it seemed so incongruous as a, as a connection. Mm. And... Um, but I had no idea that, that it would take off the way it did. I mean, within a year, I was making a healthy living off a of stand-up. And, Which you know... Very yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember being in a competition called the... What was it called? The La- Laughing Horse. Laughing Horse? You ever, yeah, did you yeah. ever do Laughing Horse? Yeah, a few times, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'd come out of a round, and I was like... It was in some pub in Soho, and I was walking to the Tube... And I bumped into Michael McIntyre, who I'd oh, gig- right. gigged with a couple yeah, yeah, times, yeah. but he was just getting really big. So he had his like Carrera Porsche Jeep, you know, <laughs> parked just off Oxford Street. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was like, oh, are, are you, have you got another gig? Are you, you driving home? And I was like, no, well, I'm going home. I'm just going to get the tube. And he was like, oh, I'll give you a lift. Like, where'd you live? I was like, oh, I'm north. And he was like, oh, yeah, my sister lives really close to you. I'll give you a lift. And he drove me. And... Um, he was asking how uh, how you getting on, how's it going? You know, I was so new, yeah. um, and I was like, yeah, it's all right, man. I'm entering these competitions, trying to get a name for myself. And he was like, yeah, and then you know, soon you'll you you'll get like weekends, you'll get like you know, you'll get in with clubs, and you'll do Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, double up, you'll get more money. And I was like, oh no, no, I'm doing that. Like I do weekends at Jonglers and whatnot. And he was like, what? <laughs> I was like, oh, I do, I do weekends at Jonglers. And the next weekend, I'm doing Battersea and. Uh, and after that, I'm doing uh, um, Bristol. And he was like, but you've you only been going nine months. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, they're, they're giving me weekends. And he was like, it took me four years to get weekends. <laughs> get out of my car. So at, at that point, I thought, wow, this is like, you know, this is one of the biggest comics in the, in the UK yeah. right now. And, yeah. and I thought, I am moving at an incredible pace. Um, and there was a moment where I thought, maybe I am the next big thing in comedy. And at that point, I thought, ah, I don't want to do this. Really? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You got cold feet. Yeah, I got, I got cold feet. I didn't want to do stadiums like Michael. I didn't want to be on, you know, have I got news for you? And I just, it wasn't, it just wasn't, it wasn't a dream of mine. Mm. I just thought, I've got a feeling that I'm not going to enjoy this. And the more I taught stand-up, the more I realized that was definitely my instinct. My instinct was correct. I, I just didn't enjoy the lifestyle. Whereas when I'm on set and I'm acting, um, you're just in a team. And yeah, I, like, I, yeah. I like that much more than just being alone. If you're alone for a long time, you go peculiar, man. Yeah. <laughs> telling yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. You, know. you have to as a stand-up, there's no way around it. Exactly. So yeah. when you meet a stand-up who's just been a stand-up for 20 years, 25 years, and that's all they'll, they'll ever do. I'm not saying that's bad. I think it's incredible. Yeah. 
but they are a little bit strange. Yeah, <laughs> true, yeah. They're a little bit strange. That, that, that makes sense. Then. Everything they <laughs> yeah. do is yeah. on their own. Yeah, that's true. They have to write on their own. They largely travel on their own. It's not like you have a band, no, do you know what I mean? No. Yeah. Um, you prep on your own in the green room and then you're on stage on your own mm. and then you die or you kill yeah. on your own. Mm. Well, and then you go back you to your hotel room. Yeah, yeah. In days. Mm. You go back to your hotel room on your own. Whether you've absolutely murdered a 15,000-seater arena or died on your ass, you've got no one to share that adrenaline, positive adrenaline or that negative yeah. hell with anybody you can call your wife mm. call your partner but even they're not really going to understand what you're going so through so were there bleak moments then for you? oh loads yeah. count, I could have lost count you know and they, they could come at the strangest times so you know a world tour with, with Ricky Gervais sounds so glamorous and it, it was in some ways you know the, the treatment you get and the hotels you stay in but what does it all mean if you're just fucking alone because mm. don't you ever think like Life is basically a big charade. Like we're sort of shamming ourselves. Like yeah. it's like a big song and dance to just hide the fact that at the end of the day, it's meaningless and we're going to die alone. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But we just none of us really want to admit yeah. that that is basically what happens. Animals are like, you guys got to get over yourselves, man. Yeah. This is what yeah. it is. It's yeah. life and death. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're born. You eat some food. You shit and you die. Animals are like, yeah, man, like, that's what it is. They're not pretentious. Dolphins are a little pretentious, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Other than them. Yeah. And it's just us going, no, there's just so much more. Is there? Is there? So I think the best way around that is there is one thing that we've got that animals don't have, which is this incredible instinctive connection between all of us, you know. And when we're truly connected and we like have a ball together and it's not we didn't pay for it we just bumped into each other in the street and just had a great day that's when life feels amazing and that is better than anything so if you remove that connection from your life i just like what is life yeah do you know what i mean and and stand up it can be a bit like that you've you're the man but at the same time you're really not man you you're really not audience, it's friday night Everyone there yeah. is with their friends, their loved ones. They're going out to see a show. Then they're going to go for food and drinks. Then yeah. they're going to go clubbing. They have a great fucking time. What are you doing? You're the guy working while they're all having fun. Yeah. And then when your work's over, they're still having fun. And you're just on your own in, like, Stafford. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you're the guy for, like, 20 minutes. Exactly. You're the guy for 20 minutes. And, um, hey, listen, if that fulfills you entirely then that's great and I've met so many stand-ups who's like there's nothing they love more yeah. than that lifestyle yeah. for me I found it uh yeah it, I found it really draining Um, have you always wanted to be around people is that something from growing up you just liked being around other people it's a weird thing because obviously I'm a, I'm a writer at heart and I need to be alone to do that um, so I'm very very precious about my time alone yeah. but when I'm alone for too long I just I'm like oh shut up you're so annoying I'm annoying just fucking have a look at yourself I was just getting these arguments like oh god you think you're so cool you're fucking shit you're worthless oh fuck you look what I've done oh yeah what have you done oh yeah let's let's hear your Wikipedia page it's just like this mad argument between voices in my head you know and I'm just like oh god I just can't deal with this look at this prick all the time all the time all the time and um you know I've never had that thing that I'm sure like Drake has so he just like looks in the mirror and goes it's actually, it's actually it's happening, me. and it's me. It's me right now. Exactly. And he, I think he just does that thing with his first finger and his little finger where he smooths his, his eyebrows out, and then he just rolls out. Do you know what I mean? I've never really had that. But, you know, funnily enough, whenever I'm in interviews with people who don't know me, um, which are always a lot more boring than this, by the way, you know, they're always saying, oh, and you're so cool. How do you get to be so cool? How do you get to be so cool? We all wish we were as cool as you. And it's like, what does that question even fucking mean? Like, that's just a projection, you know? 
uh, I'm I'm selling a product. Like I'm not gonna get out there and go. I'm I'm a fucking douche. Do you know what I mean? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna. I remember Slick Rick when I was a kid. There was an interview with him, and they said, "Why do you wear?" It was a derogatory kind of question. Like, why do you insist on wearing all these fur coats and all these chains? You know, and the gold teeth. And he said, "Because people don't want to pay to see no bum." <laughs> and I thought that's just so true. Like yeah, when you're yeah. doing your fucking job, yeah, exactly. Slick Rick's not going to get a coffee in the morning with the chains on and the fucking. <laughs> yeah, 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 do you know what I mean? But when you're paying to see him, yeah. you want to see a star. Like it's yeah, Saturday yeah. night. Like yeah. I, I want to see a show. Yeah. It's rock and roll. It's almost like drag, isn't it? Yeah, yeah like, exactly. Like so you know, I just thought that question completely ignores my work, really. Yeah. Because you're saying, like, well, I just get out of bed and it's I just, yeah. do you mean? Yeah. I just roll on, like, but I put both feet on the, these two little train tracks onto these trains, <laughs> toy trains that just roll me to the kitchen. <laughs> there's a sort of some kind of, like, Dr. Emmett Brown contraption, like, just yeah. making me coffee and Miles Davis playing <laughs> through the Sonos. That, you <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm on the fucking school run, man. Yeah. Like, I'm, you know, I, just, I, I, I live a very normal life, but I... I I want to create fun for people because, you know, the other thing that people who don't know me always ask me in interviews is like, you know, you write books, you do stand up, you know, you, you do acting. Um, what the hell are you? Like, what, what, what would you define yourself as? And I always say, this is really simple, man. Like, I'm an entertainer, you know. At most, I'm like a writer, performer. Like, it's not complicated. I just mix the things that I can, I feel I can do well. I don't, I don't really jump out of my lane as much as people think I do. You look at the kids' books, it's just rap on paper for young kids. You look at the acting, it's just rap without rhythm <laughs> that's not even written by me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's like it's all just a version of me writing and or performing, everything I do. Yeah. And um, there's there's a line that sort of runs through it. I, 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 I talk about or I write about or I discuss things that I feel, if I'm not an authority on, I know quite a bit about. Yeah. So, you know, what would be way crazier was if I was a rapper and also, uh, you know, a First World War historian and an ice skater <laughs> and a flower arranger and I won Bake Off like three times yeah. in a row. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That would be fucking weird. Yeah. That'd be but incredible. It would be amazing. Yeah. Proper renaissance man, but like when I look at what I do, I think ah, it's all kind of the same, like to me yeah. anyway. Yeah, it's funny that the acting came back though, because that clearly was an itch. Yeah, that really that was, and and I never believed I could do it, but stand up made me believe because you know sometimes there's casting people at stand up shows, mm -hmm. and I do a lot of acting within my stand up and voices and stuff like that. So it was just a matter of time really before I got the opportunity. But really, it was the kids show that I made for. CBBC because creating that I hadn't really intended to act in it but they were like of course you've got to be in it yeah. and I was like okay so I sort of relearned how to act on that show you know just often it was the uh, it was the camera operator who would teach me he'd go dude just be a bit stiller do you know what I mean just yeah. moving around too much yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you don't have to speak that loudly like we got mics like yeah. stuff like that and um I built off that and that gave me the confidence to go to auditions yeah. and now I'm back in that world you know just auditioned for a big West End theatre uh, play yesterday and you know if, if, if I get that it would, it would really be the, the final thing to cement in my mind like I'm not a fraud I can do this yeah. I didn't go to yeah. fucking Radar I didn't have the experiences that a lot of the big actors in this country had but I, th I just think there's certain things you can't teach. I think you yeah. can, of course, you can get better. I'm not saying like I'm some amazing actor. Do you know what I mean? To get to like a Tom Hardy level, you have to keep being a student of it and, and keep being humble and, and really work at your craft. That said, I do think like, you can't just pluck someone and go, right, I'm going to teach you to act. Like so, Some people just don't have it. Yeah. Some people are susceptible to it. You know, you're, you're a talented person from a talented family, charismatic you've got the potential for it. So if someone just poking you in the right direction... Yeah, and I, I think intelligence is a big part of it. If you've got decent intelligence, you can read a script and go, actually, there's a lot I can do with, it, with this. 
there's meaning and there's secondary meaning, there's a subtext here. Or if it's a shit script, you can go, well, I think I could still tweak this to make it sound like a human being would actually say this terrible line, you know. And that requires a certain level of intelligence. So if you've got that and raw talent and ability, then I think you can achieve in in acting. And that probably goes for for any business. I guess humility as well, to be able to be open to learning. That's the most fascinating thing about the world of acting, because... I think people are led to believe that all actors are, are wankers, self-obsessed, megalomaniacs. And of course there's a couple of those. But it's really interesting coming out of stand-up and going into acting. Because I think with stand-ups being so self-deprecating, people imagine, oh, wouldn't it be fun to go to the pub with this guy? Yeah, yeah. No, it wouldn't. He is a megalomaniac, yeah. egomaniacal, yeah, yeah, yeah. selfish bastard. Yeah. But he plays it like, hey, I'm just such a, oh, I'm such yeah, a loser. Yeah. I live in my one-bedroom flat, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're 40 and you're a millionaire. Like, just stop trying to play it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jimmy, yeah, yeah, stop yeah. trying to be like a student. Oh, God, you know, my life. And I was on the bus. No, you fucking weren't. Yeah, yeah. I know you hate buses and everybody who gets on them. Yeah, yeah. You know, actors, the funny thing is, a really good actor, a really, really good one, like probably who you consider to be among the best, 99% of the time, they are humble empathic people because they have to be they have to be able to listen they have to be able to understand what makes a human being tick you don't do that by just looking at a script and going yeah i've got it i've nailed it you do that by having real relationships by talking to people and crucially by listening to them giving them the time of day most stand-ups we don't listen to people we just bark at people do you know what i mean yeah. We actually think that the world wants to come and hear us speak uninterrupted for an hour. <laughs> yeah. For one yeah. hour. Like, people are like, did you see this guy's special? No. I, yeah. I love comedy, but I will take the 20-minute version yeah, of, of stand-ups. I don't want to listen to anyone for an hour. Yeah. I've never seen myself do an hour. I've recorded hours, and my agents be like, oh, you've got to like, edit this, get it out, we can get a deal on Netflix. And I just don't do it, because I can't even bring myself... To sit there for, you know, what would it be? Four hours to edit a, like yeah, a sure. one hour. Yeah, I, just, yeah, yeah. I can't do it. I was like, oh, fuck, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> shut up. And by the time I've seen like five minutes, I'm like, I can't put this on television. <laughs> it's so annoying. <laughs> it's so annoying. So, yeah, I think actors actually, you know, that's rare apart from, say, like a movie like Locke or some, like something really high concept it's rare that you'll see a movie with one person sure, talking yeah. for the it's, it's a team effort yeah. and if you take out you know the focus puller if you if you take out uh, uh, a costume assistant a, a standby props dude who's just coming and putting the the book back in place on the table for each you take out one piece of the machine of of, of, of cinema or television the whole thing falls apart and an actor who doesn't recognize that is probably your guy that is the megalomaniacal you know self-obsessed idiot everybody else is like it's it's mutual respect it's like i can't do your job you can't do mine and crucially none of this happens if i go or you go do you know what i mean and and that team spirit is i think what really draws me to it and being surprised by the kindness of, of 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 people you know Stand-up is, cra- is crabs in a bucket. Mm. You, you, essentially, you know, we've all got lots of friends in stand-up, but you are against each other, yeah. really, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and there's a bit of that in acting, especially when you're, you know, going up for auditions and whatnot. But once you're in the job, you're all pulling together. Like, you don't want the other actor in your movie to be shit. Yeah, yeah. Because cool. then the yeah, whole yeah. movie's shit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And you're shit by association. Yeah. Whereas when you're doing the job in stand-up, it's not too yeah, bad yeah, if the yeah. other guys are well, shit. There's a weird yeah, thing yeah. where you want them to be good, so it's a good night, but you don't want them to be too good. Don't be so too yeah, good, so then you're a dab, damn squib. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. We've, had, we've had a lot of actors on, on this pod, and almost to a person, they've all talked about a lot about empathy, but a lot about feeling fraudulent and that fraud police. Oh, yeah, no question. Names yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing how many have mentioned that as well. It seems to be a very common theme. In yeah, I, I think, you know... You could take it all the way up to, you know, the the, the Judy Denches and, and, and whatnot, and... You'd be surprised. Like, we all sort of just exist in the shadow of, you know, someone who everybody agrees is the greatest. Be that like William Shakespeare or Laurence Olivier or in comedy like Richard Pryor. We, we, I think, 
to a man, to a woman, we all think that if we're not Richard Pryor, we're a bit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We're not really. We, we don't know how we got here. Yeah. No, yeah, we got. Yeah. We don't recognise our own ability much, and and that's good because I think the day that you wake up and go. Yeah. You know, do the Drake eyebrows thing. Yeah, yeah. You've, prob- exactly, yeah, you've exactly, probably yeah. jumped the shark. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. You've, you've probably bought into your own hype, and you might not deliver anything mm. else that is actually of worth. Yeah. You know, so to feel like a fraud, uh, you know, the positive spin you could put on that is you feel like you're still a student. You feel like you're still just yeah. learning yes. the ropes, and that's a great thing. That's a great thing. So, but how um, do you deal with them when that turns into? Strong really strong self-doubt and like yeah it's really really them. hard I have it all the time I'd say once a week I think what if I never make another penny out of this mm. because it's it's a difficult place for me to exist now because if if I um, if I fail now then my face is recognisable for my retail job at Next to be really awkward yeah you know, because I'm not above working. I've worked for much longer than I did stand up normal work. Um, but now it's hard. It's it's hard. Do you know what I mean? Because I know it because I'm not blowing my own trumpet at all. Because I, I, it's not something I'd boast about. But you know, if if I wait at a bus stop for long enough, then there's going to be three or four people who want to talk to me. I'm like, okay, so this bus journey is going to be quite awkward now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That happens every day. So that makes me know if I'm in an office tomorrow, then 30 to 40 percent are going to be like, oh, um, yeah. so the acting <laughs> I actually know how much money you make now. Yeah. And I make five grand more yeah. per annum. So, <laughs> you know, that could be yeah. awkward. But at the same time, I'm not above it. I, I, I know where I go. I go back to youth work and it would it would work in my favour in, in, in terms of fame as well because if in five years I go back to youth work and I'm working with like 12-year-olds, they don't even know who the fuck I was. They don't give a shit. Yeah. One of them would be like, my uncle said you used to be on TV. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, nah, your uncle's yeah. drunk. <laughs> <laughs> but do you honestly think that, though? Do you of course. Think yeah, because, uh, you know, how long can it last? Like, uh, there's... No, we're not all Ian McKellen. Do you know what I mean? We're not all going to just be working into our 80s. Like, there's another guy that's, like, 20 years younger than me and, like, super sharp and handsome. And, you know, like, he'll be the next guy. Like, it's just the way it works. Mm, yeah. you, so you can't really focus too hard on it. But sometimes it does. You just wake up and you go, this is a, this is, this is a joke. I can't keep doing this. Like, it's going to end at some point. But, you know, for every one of those days, there's, there's four or five other days where I go, no, look, I've somehow made a living off of this. It's been 10 years. Last year was, the, was my 10th year in show business. And that's, like, that's amazing. Mm. If I did one year, I'd be like, fuck. Like, yeah. So I could actually professionally do it for a year. Like a lot, for a lot of people, it's their dream to professionally do it. Yeah. And it's still my dream. So... You know, who knows? I think it. I think I just need to keep making the right choices. Mm. I think if if I'm still trying to be like the young, happy-go-lucky star of this show or that show when I'm like 50, I think it's going to sour pretty quick. Mm. Whereas if my writing moves into another realm or my producing, all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, whatever happened to that guy? Oh, but he's probably doing crack now. No, I actually own like three different film companies yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, can, I can basically push the button on your career or kill you <laughs> and get away with it. Yeah. You know, I'm that powerful now, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I, I, I love it when that happens. You know, I remember watching an episode of Orange is the New Black mm. and it was directed by Andrew McCarthy and I thought, I wonder if that's the Andrew McCarthy, it can't be. From the eighties, yeah, yeah, from the from the from the brat pack of the eighties. Yeah, right, yeah. I, I thought I'd just do a quick wiki, and sure enough, it was. And he's a, exactly the type of person that people would say, "Oh God, remember him?" I want. Yeah. He's he's probably working in like a KFC now. Yeah. Nah, man, he just got to the point where he's like, "I'm purely known for being like the high school student, yeah, the preppy yeah. kid in this teen comedy drama," and I'm fucking thirty five. Like, I want to be in show business for life. 
how am I going to keep getting that role if you know so people don't yeah people don't want the 35 year old Andrew McCarthy to star in something because yeah. they relate to me so much as this teen so the natural thing is let me get behind the camera I'm still in show business still working with similar people still loving my life still in LA yeah and you know fair play to it. that's yeah, a yeah. that's a beautiful way of doing it rather than desperately clinging yeah. on and just for men and the fuck <laughs> do you know what I mean and like, oh it's so tragic yeah. the Botox and oh Jesus so like that's that hard brings I was talking about earlier wasn't we? a level of self-awareness yeah exactly you're aware of who yeah, you yeah. are yeah. how you fit into this yeah. giant so maybe genius. yeah I don't know Andrew McCarthy from Adam but maybe he's like one of the coolest guys in Hollywood yeah. maybe he's, he was just that first guy that went yeah actually no I'm, I'm, I, I don't think I look right on that side I'm going to do this yeah you know but I also I know acting like so I know like this will work for that person this line will work for that person you know I know how to direct actors you have to be true to yourself as well I remember you telling me years ago about stand up just go up there and talk about yourself like don't try and do anyone else's stick or anything just talk about yeah. yourself and it might not be good to start with but mm. it will come because you're being true it will being come. authentic yeah it will come the truth the truth will set you free and it's, it's really true in, uh, in in comedy man like the the more honest you can be, and I don't mean like bearing your soul and all the personal shit in your life, just more like what's a thing that James Daly would say off stage? You know, mm. it doesn't have to be something exposing about uh, your personal life, but in a way that James Daly would say it. Because if you can do that, then you're immediately not biting anybody else's shit yeah, yeah. as soon as I really started trying to write stand up I just sounded like Sean Locke yeah, yeah. because he was the one I worshipped do you know what I mean I worshipped everything he did so when I wrote it just naturally sounded like him and I realised this is never going to work so what I started doing was instead of writing jokes I just wrote stuff that interested me I just yeah. like no gags just wrote interesting shit or stuff that we talked about in the pub last night I just write it all down and then go on stage and just work the ideas out, like see if there was an idea, like the big concepts that I thought were quite humorous, but I'd find the, the gags, the moments of laughter so on stage. Yeah, just talk about stuff. Yeah, really talk about stuff. Totally. So the, the time that I became a good comic, I think the watershed moment was when I, I just wrote three pages on my experience from the 80s to now of being mixed race. No gags. And as soon as I started talking about it, it was impassioned and I, I could tell people were interested. Yeah. And then the, the tension hits where it's like there hasn't been any funny bits yet. Yeah. But if you can just remove the pressure of being on stage for a moment, which of course is really fucking hard to do, but if you can remove that, then you'll know that in your normal life, when you're just talking about a serious topic, there are funny moments when you're talking about it. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you know, we were talking about, uh, when, we first, when I first sat down here, we were talking about the Tory government and, 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 and Brexit and, uh, uh, you know, the, the ripping the heart out of the NHS and, and, and youth services and stuff. But we didn't have that discussion without laughs. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's a serious fucking subject. Yeah. So I think why not translate that to the stage? Yeah. Like, say what you want to say and, and find the laughs. It's scary to do. But I think if if you really want to say the thing, then that will give you the confidence. It's so vulnerable, though, to be up there, because I think it's easy to hide behind jokes. Of course. One line of you know good and bang, bang, bang. Of course. But to be up there almost naked. Yeah, I just, I think I always knew I didn't have an option because I've never been able to write one-liners. Um, I wish I could. I would never discredit that. And some of my favourite comics just do one-liners. Um but I've just never been able to do that. It's a special kind of skill that I don't have. Yeah. So I just thought, I, I have to make these anecdotes funny somehow. And that takes work. I think it's it's quite hard to write an impassioned speech and have loads of pinpointed funny gags. I think you just have to find that yeah, on stage. Yeah. You know, and you see comics do it all the time. You look at Stuart Lee, like some of his work is fascinating because of the way that it, it becomes... Funny, but if you wrote it down, yeah. yeah, it probably wouldn't be remotely funny. Yeah. So something that he's finding on stage that's making it work. Whereas the great one-line comedians, Tim Vine, 
Milton Jones, Gary Delaney, you know, print me a fucking book of that shit yeah, because yeah, it's yeah, hilarious yeah, yeah. whichever way you slice yeah, it, it's yeah. hilarious. And some people will say that is true comedy, you know. Um, I think comedy is whatever makes people laugh, you know. Um, I don't think there's any one set way of doing it. But it, I think it is important for the comedian to know what their strength is. I wish I could write as many gags as, as, as Gary does or Milton does. But I just can't. So if I tried to do it, I would suck. It's yeah, as simple true. as that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and they are all being true to themselves. Mm. Totally. To who they are. Yeah. I'm sure Gary doesn't want to like tell stories about his kids and then suddenly start rapping. Do you know what I mean? Probably, <laughs> well, prob- probably his fucking that, yeah. nightmare. <laughs> but it'd be quite interesting, wouldn't it? To, yeah, to get like five comics and get them all to, to switch the, yeah, stick yeah. for like one That'd night. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, we should set that night up. Might be, might be terrible. Might be terrible. Um, so obviously we talked about blank moments on this podcast. Mm. We did cover a lot actually in the last sort of book. Uh, we normally sort of wrap up by asking our guests their advice on blank moments. Mm. And we have a range of guests that have come on, from actors to comedians to all sorts, really, and hopefully lots of people from different walks of life and industries that listen to this. But can you remember any particular blank moments that happened to you? And do you have any advice for anyone that might be going through any of their own blank moments? You mean on stage? Uh, yeah, I did on stage. Yeah, yeah, but any, for anything. Really. Yeah, okay. yeah, I mean, on stage there's there's loads. I mean, in my, in my first year, I had them all the time. Because your first year of comedy is really, um, it's really just based around remembering shit. You're yeah, not, you've yeah. got no concept of a relationship with the audience. You're way too nervous for that. Yeah. You've got no understanding of your persona because you haven't developed it yet. You're literally like, I'm here now. I'm getting paid 20 pounds yeah, yeah. and I need to be funny. So let me say the shit in the order that I plan right, to yeah, say yeah. it in. And that is it. So you get to the end of a bit and you're like, next end a bit next there's no enjoyment really it's just brutal you just get to the end and so in that year i loads of times i would forget what the next bit was and immediately panic and start you get so scared of the silence so quick that you just mumble shit used to say yeah so i mean yeah you know that's (laughs) that's the way i am you know that's you know, I, that's what I, I really feel strongly about that. You know, I'm really... And you're just waiting to remember. You know, whereas when you get more experience, those moments, you just enjoy them. Yeah. Just, you maybe even say, I was going to do this other bit, I can't even fucking remember what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you might just engage someone in the front row and you might end up having the, the most fun gig of your life. Yeah. But that doesn't happen in the early stages. You just haven't got those kind of balls. So um, I'd have them all the time. I'd have them all the time. And some were, you know, way more horrific than others and, and just ended in abject death, you know. And um, those nights, wow. They, it's funny, I, I don't remember the amazing nights. I really remember every death. Yeah. Like, because, time, yeah, and time just slows down. Yeah. And silence becomes different. It's a different type of silence when you're dying. Mm. So, like, what, that floorboard, that's, that's creaky, isn't it? Yeah. That's way creaky. I don't remember that being that creaky last time I was here. Yeah. Guys, uh, did I just say that out loud yeah. about the creaky floorboard? Well, that is very creaky, though, isn't it? Oh, so, <laughs> and it's just, you start to hear your lips smacking against each other. And uh, the audience can't, yeah, the audience don't sense any of this. And then you start pointing it out and they're like, what are you talking about? Oh, you're dying. And then they realize, and then the whole thing becomes this kind of just swallow me up. Mm -hmm. I remember being at the Leicester Square Theatre and it started out with going blank and I've forgotten the next bit. Tried to fill with time with stuff that just wasn't stuff. So it wasn't funny. Got onto a new bit but had lost the confidence of the audience and crucially lost confidence in myself. So then that bit died. Then they started getting restless and there were some drunk Glaswegians in there. So they started going, you're not funny. Then, you know, my knees went, then just your face gets hot. And then just like, Oh my God, it's just barreling towards the end. And then that nightmare moment where you're just like, so that's, that's my time. (laughs) 
my time. Thank, and you're not sure, should I do another gap? I, I should probably just get the fuck out of it. Yeah, so you're yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. Thank, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Just get that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Get the fuck out. What they call a, a smattering. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, they had these big, heavy curtains. Uh, and that's the thing. Like, once you're dying, it's like being punched in the face. You just Your spatial awareness is all over the place. You're dizzy. You can't see straight. And I just couldn't find the gap in the curtain. So I just couldn't get off. Oh, man. Oh, my God. And I was just scrambling around, go to this end, that, and it's really heavy theatrical curtain, you know. I couldn't find those. In the end, I had to just go underneath it (laughs) and crawl off. Literally crawl off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It just got got a big cheer. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So painful. But yeah, like that's where that's where blanks can take you. I've had loads of them. I think I remember my first one was a thing for NUS. Oh, okay, yeah, like the yeah. National Union of yeah. Students. So, like they'd said, the promoters had said this is a great one to do because um, if you do well, like it's got all the ENTS bookers in the audience, mm. so they'll book you for all their universities. So it could end up being, you know, over the course of a year, could, you know, you could make a healthy wage. Um, but I was so new, you know, and like I say, everything was about remembering. That's kind of additional pressure as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and I was in. I was in Liverpool, and the pressure just hit me, and I like I forgot, like I garbled my opener, Mm. and then I forgot the bit that came after that, and it was just excruciating, and I could just feel myself losing them and losing them. I only had seven minutes. I don't even know what that is. Seven minutes, (laughs) you know. So it was just silence for seven minutes. And you just can't... It's so mad. You come off stage and you remember everything. You, I know exactly what I was supposed to say. I remember everything. But pressure's off. Yeah. So, you know, in training you can score 99 out of 100 penalties. Mm, yeah. And you step up for a penalty in the game. And you sky it. Like, you don't even hit the target. Yeah. It makes no sense to anybody watching. But to the player... It's replicating the atmosphere. It's yeah. n- tr- training is nothing like the game. And in stand-up, doing your fucking seven minutes on the train on the way to the gig, yeah. f- faultless, it, 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 ry- rhythmically and all of that, to yourself, you know, in your little booth on the train, that just doesn't compare to the lights going on, the applause dying down, and there's 300 strangers going, come on in. Suddenly, you just can't you can't think in the same way. And the best stand-ups, there's just no same as the best footballers. There's no emotional difference. No. They're cold, high killers. Yeah. They just get up there and you're like, I'm fucking funny. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like this set is killer, and I'm just going to do it like I do it in my bedroom or in my office. Yeah. You know, and that's what they do. And people go crazy, partly because it's really funny, but a big part of it is also how relaxed that person looks. They just walk on and the audience is like, yeah, he's got this. Yeah. He's got this. And they relax. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's what the blanks would do. They would always kill me. Always kill me. But only in the early days. Once I got to the point where I was like, I had strings of gigs where I always did well. Yeah. And started just getting booked to headline gigs, you know. Only headline. Unless I demanded to go on early because I wanted to headline somewhere else, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, then it just changed. I would still have blanks. But I just be like, let's have fun with this. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you get bored of your material. Yeah. But that's just a different level of, of comic. Yeah. You know, for for people listening to this who, for some reason, want to get into comedy, <laughs> you know, you've got to be prepared for that first year. It's brutal. Yeah. I'm sure I would have said something similar to you when you said you wanted to start. You know, yeah. um, if you can get through the first year, you can you can do anything. And your career could go anywhere. You could end up writing copy for adverts. You could end up directing. You could end up acting. You could end up writing books. You know, stand-up is a beautiful platform for all sorts of art, performance art and writing. Because stand-up embodies everything in the writer-performer. This is a one-man band, essentially. You know, bringing a show that has drama in it, has comedy in it, of course it has writing in it, it has acting, it's, it may have music, you know, it has stagecraft, it has theatre. It, it, it could be cinematic. You look at someone like Adam Richards, his, his shit's cinematic, do you know what I mean? 
but it's still just a a person with a mic. So you know, it's the most malleable, most diverse, most complicated, most naked, most emotional art form I think there is out there. And all those beautiful things about it are the same things that make it so difficult for me to do every day. You know, I don't know how you can do that every day. Some people are just built for it. The rest of us, we just keep on having blanks, and it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Well, I think that's a lovely part to end the yeah. <laughs> Mate, thank you so much for being on. That's been yeah, absolute pleasure. There you go. That was uh, Ben Belly Smith, aka Dot Brown. Yeah, what you, got, you did that way around this time. Yeah, I just like to mix it yeah, up. Yeah. What a top, top man. Yeah, lovely guy, lovely guy. It was great to meet him and talk to him about all the aspects of his career. I mean, he does so much stuff. He's prolific. Yeah, yeah he's multi-talented. He, he can do, he's one of those guys that can pretty much sort of do anything. Yeah, and from a very talented family as well, yeah. as he as he alluded to in the in the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. So we're very, very lucky he came on the pod, and we really appreciate his time. And in fact, again. Like with Jim Pidder, previous guest, another Palace fan. So three Palace. Oh, fans. I know. We didn't really get on. Pal- we did once the pod stopped stopped rolling. Yeah, we, we did, started we had chatting a real about, Palace. about Palace. But yeah, yeah, it's becoming a bit of a theme. So apologise to any other non-Palace fans <laughs> out there. But, but we yeah, kept it. But we kept it non-Palace. Exactly, really, for most exactly. of the pod. Um, so thank you very much, Ben, for joining us on the pod. Um, now you can, as ever, get in contact with us and let us know what you're thinking of the pod, your own blank moments. Or, or anything we're just saying hi uh, we are on Facebook Twitter and Instagram and it's the same handle Giles it's, it is it's at blank pod it is indeed uh, and I believe we might have a tweet yeah we've out. had quite a few tweets so I wanted to read this one out it's um, regards to the Gary Neville um, podcast which we had a lot of actually some people might have seen we got some some press around yeah, because did, yeah. uh, cause of some of the stuff that Gary had said about his time at Valencia and yeah. the six month period in his career where he struggled and had to speak to a psychologist yeah. and yeah we had a real really great amount of feedback from that I think mm. a lot of people really were well I guess taken he was very what, honest and open yeah and we're really taken with what Gary said we had a message from Andy Sparrow um, who is on Twitter saying a wonderful pod with brilliant guests this week's with Gary Neville was thoughtful and inspiring um, he even said I've shared it with my 15 year old who is about to begin his GCSE year, as I believe the message is a, such a good one. Uh, well done to you and Jim. Wow. Um, so that was just, yeah, and that's just so nice. Um, another one here from Fraser Williams saying, excellent pod with Mr. Neville, um, and what great role model he seems to be. And so, yeah, it's just some really, really touching messages that are coming through now, and we'll, we'll try and read some out every week. So yeah. if you are a listener, try and listen out. You might hear your name yeah. called out. And, and please keep the messages coming because it's so lovely to get the feedback. Yeah, but, uh, that's so nice to hear. That's yeah, lovely yeah. to hear. That, and we, that it's not a show-off thing. We just want to no, share some, it's nice. some of the nice thoughts and, and know that you know you can send us these messages. Yeah. And, 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 and if you know, people we're are taking away nice things from the pod, yeah. positive things, then that obviously that's brilliant. Yeah. So thank you very much. Or you can email us as well. Our email is hello at theblankpodcast.com. Correct. Yay. Um, and thank you very Got much. Magnus Magnuson then. <laughs> well done. Uh, and thank you so much for listening to this week's pod. Next week, we've got another guest Wednesday morning, every Wednesday morning. 7am. Yep, Don't forget there. to subscribe. If you subscribe, then it's going to drop straight into your podcast app box. And you don't have to do anything apart yeah. from just listen. Yeah. So. Easy as that. And it's free. I have to keep saying to this. It's Podcasts are free. Yeah. It's free to listen to. Yeah. So, you know, it does a lot, not a lot for you to have to do, really. Exactly. So, Sweet. thank you very much. We'll see you again next week. Uh, have a good week, and we'll see you then. Bye. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.